Well, good morning. It is good to be back here in the house with you, the house of the Lord, and to be able to worship and glorify God. Coming off of Thanksgiving, I'm still a little, a little full. Hope everyone out there got plenty to eat. Not too much, just right. As I um, think about this season, I began to think about, and we, you know, we're entering Advent, and this is the first Sunday of Advent. This is the first Sunday of the new church year, and you know, last Sunday we celebrated the end of the church year by recognizing and celebrating that Christ is our King, the King of all things, all-empowering, all-encompassing King of, of all creation. And we can envision Christ on the throne with the, with the world and all creation as his footstool because he reigns over everything. And I, I think about, you know, today we begin the journey again. We, we begin preparing for this birth of the Christ child. The Christ child who, who is the king of all things. And I begin to think about what, what is it that begins to tell us that that's that time of year. You know, we, we just lit the, the Advent candle. I want to thank the Miller family for, for you know, coming forward and lighting the Advent candle, the first candle, the candle of hope on our Advent wreath. And um, the Prine family did it, did it at the 9 o'clock service. And, and this is just the first sign of the, of the year. What is it about this season that gives us signs that something special is about to happen? Who, who here has already um, begun to take out their Christmas decorations? Okay, now I asked this question last in the last service. Who here has already decorated their house? And I'll, I'll make you the same offer that I offered the first congregation and that is there's counseling available for you <laughs> immediately following the service it's amazing um and what is it that tells us now's the time i asked that question what what is it what is it it's a biological clock that says it's time is the leaves change on the trees is it time we just stepped up from the thanksgiving table it's time we just got back from Black Friday shopping. It's time. There's something in it's either it's a heart thing or a head thing, an, an, an environmental signal that says it's time. It's time to drag all that stuff down out of the attic. Begin to put the Thanksgiving decorations away, the fall decorations, and begin the Put out the wreaths, the Christmas wreaths to get the Christmas. That's my least favorite thing about decorating. Is bringing that Christmas tree from the carport into the house. Because I get sap in places it didn't even touch. And there are needles strewn from one end to the house to the other. I just don't like that part. I love it when it's done. Leanne loves getting ready. I know in her mind, she's already got everything picked out, where each, each decoration is going, where each tree will go in the rooms, where the wreath will go. What we, we ha She started this wreath um, when we got married. She started with one. It's a cutting from the Christmas tree, a, a cutting from a trunk. 
It's, a, it's about a half an inch to an inch thick. And each one has a, a wood burned into the year, into the trunk. So now we're going to have 29 pieces of trunks on this wreath. I don't know where the wreath is. She does. And she knows where it's going to go before I even know where it is. And I, don't get me wrong, I love Christmas. I love it. It's the getting ready for it. Once it's all decorated, it's, the tree smells great. There's lights everywhere. There's candles everywhere. I love that. It's that preparing for it I don't like. Because it's hard work. I don't like that kind of hard work. Now, when I think about Christmases, because when we start decorating, um, you know, I, my, in my mind, it all comes out of our memories. We decorate our houses because that's what we've done in the past. We've decorated our houses in a certain way because that's the way we've always done it. And we carry that from family to family. And so Leanne has these ideas of what Christmas is supposed to look like, and it comes from her family to our family. I have my ideas of what Christmas looks like. It comes from my family, my growing up. That memory, I bring it forward into our family. And maybe, maybe our children will take these memories and push them forward into their families. Growing up, we always had an artificial tree in, in the Boykin house because that was easy. In, in the Hunley house, it was always a fresh-cut tree. In the Boykin house, there was one particular decoration that always had its place on the coffee table. And it was this, it was, oh man, let me tell you, this thing was a work of, I can't say art. It came out of the 60s or the 70s, and it just, ooh, it's a white Christmas waiting to happen. But it was this gold candle, and it was like glittery gold on the outside of the glass, and it had gold garland around it and little gold balls and, and gold cherubs there. It was my, I knew when I saw that thing, Christmas was on its way. Christmas was right around the corner. Because that thing didn't come out of that projector box until Christmas. It had its own special place to reside. And mom would take that thing, and it was there where I could actually reach it as a, as a very young child. That was the only one I, could, I was allowed to light because it was down low. And it was the only one that had, like, movable parts because you could, you could take those cherubs out, and they could fly around the room. And Christmas was coming. But when I, when I really think about it, I don't know that that candle went on the coffee table every year. That's just where, it, that's where I remember it being. That, that candle could have been on the piano. It could have been on the TV, a big cabinet TV console. It could have been anywhere. But I remember that candle on the coffee table. And I, when I think about that camel today, my memory says, that's Christmas. In all of its gaudy glory, that was Christmas. Funny thing about memory, 
is that we, we cherish them. We, we hold on to them as best we can because they give us context. And they give us meaning to our stories and meaning to our experiences in life. And we hold on to them. But we know. We know that our memories are flawed. That there are gaps there. That there are times when we have to create and fictionalize what goes around it to bring it together. To give it some, some purpose. Some, some context. Some real context in our life. And so we, 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 we do that. And we know that we, we don't remember things correctly all the time. I don't. And for all I know, I have misremembered a lot. But there are things in my memories that strike chords that make my life have sense. That I want to carry forward to today and push forward into the future. We all have those memories and those meanings. And they're good and they're important. Even when they're flawed. Even when they're broken. Memory is important. It's important for us in our faith. Because we know that we have a God whose memory is steadfast. Just like divine love, steadfast, just like divine grace, unceasing. When we read the, the, the passage from the prophet Jeremiah and the lighting of the Advent wreath, that's what we're remembering. That's what we're proclaiming. We're declaring that God does not forget God's promises. God promised the house of David that there would be a branch God promised the people of Israel there would be a branch from the house of David. And from that branch would come righteousness, would come peace. Now when Jeremiah writes this, when, when Jeremiah lays out this prophetic word, we're not exactly sure what is going on. It's one of two things. The first option is that the Babylonian uh, army, this superpower from Babylon, has now surrounded the, the city of Jerusalem. And they are, they're pressing in. The siege is on. This city is going to fall. It's going to collapse. And when it does, it's going to be bad news. Because the temple will be knocked over, looted. People will be ravaged and sent into exile. That's one option as Jeremiah launches into this prophetic word. The other option is the, the, the siege and the collapse has already occurred and the people have been exiled all over the Babylonian Empire. What, whatever scenario that he is speaking to, whatever context he's speaking to, the word is not changed. That God has a memory of the promises that God has made. That God has a memory of God's people and he will save his people. And that is our hope. Our hope rests on a God who does not forget. Who does not stop loving us. Who does not let his grace falter. That's our God.
That's the God of Jeremiah, the God of David, the God of Jesus Christ, the God of the disciples. That's our God. And when we light this candle of hope, we are declaring, we are proclaiming to the world that we have a God who will not forget us no matter what happens, no matter what army surrounds us, no matter where we feel exiled, no matter where we are harmed or hurt, we are threatened. We have a God who will not forget us. And for that we give thanks. And for that we prepare. Advent is about this season of preparation, preparation that we are, we're waiting for something special. And we're preparing ourselves, we're preparing our houses of worship, we're preparing our homes, we're preparing our hearts and our minds, our very lives, our beings, for the coming of the Christ child. This baby who is king of all things, all-encompassing power. who came, lived among us, showed us that the light of God cannot be extinguished and the darkness will never overcome it. Not even death will extinguish this light. Jesus was crucified, was buried, and on the third day was resurrected. The new life, eternal life, And today, the first Sunday of the year, we begin preparing not only for this coming Christ child, but Christ the King of all things, who will return. You know, in our communion liturgy, there's this great, great line, we proclaim the mystery of faith, that Christ has, has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Parousia, the second coming. That's what we're preparing for. We'll celebrate the birth of a child in those humble beginnings, in that humble setting of a, of, of a manger and a stable. But we're, we're looking forward with hope, a certain hope, that Christ the King is coming back. Because we have a God who does not forget us. That's what we celebrate today. Now, in, in the Gospel of Luke, we, we also see this memory kind of coming back. You know, Jesus, in chapter 21 of Luke, he's, in the, he, he's arrived um, chapters earlier into Jerusalem, that triumphant entry, and now he's been in Jerusalem teaching. He spends his days there on the Temple Mount, this huge, enormous, magnificent complex of porches and porticos and the, the temple proper. And it, it dominates the skyline of Jerusalem on that large hill. And that's where we find Jesus daily with his disciples and anybody who would stop to listen as he teaches in these different courtyards and porticos and porches. Chapter 21, we find him in the courtyard of of women, the court of women. And as he's sitting there, he's watching people go by the treasury box and putting in their offerings. And he notices this poor widow who puts in two small copper coins. And he says, did you see that? 
This poor widow has put in more than anyone else because she has given out of her poverty and not out of her abundance. I had to look up what these two small copper coins were worth, and it's one sixty-fourth of a daily wage. That's what she puts in. Now, you would think the disciples would, would say, okay, what, how, did, how does that how does that measure up? Because there are people putting in, you know, they're putting in some heavy gold coins. But you know what they say? Look at these, look at these stones. Look at this porch. Look at this courtyard. Look, look at this temple, how magnificent this is. And Jesus replies, you know, the day is coming. And not one stone will be left standing. The day is going to come when this temple will be utterly destroyed. That's not what they expected to hear. They're in, they're in God's house. This is where God resides on earth, on this mountain, in this temple. This is magnificent. Look how beautiful. Look how strong. Look how big. This is where God is no safer place on the planet. Day's coming when not one stone will be left unturned. Jesus is telling his disciples that this is this is temporal. This is temporary. And in the year 70, they learn just how temporary this temple is, how temporary and fragile life is when the Roman army puts down the insurrection destroys the city, utterly destroys the temple, looting it. This was a horrible time to be in Jerusalem. He tells them that there will be, there was a time, there will come a time when you'll hear rumors of wars and insurrections. There will come a time when you will be persecuted by your friends, by your parents and your brothers, your relatives, because you've proclaimed my name. There will come a time when life is going to be really hard. And you're going to be arrested. And some of you will die because you proclaim my name. But don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to say to defend yourself. Know that I will be with you and I will give you what to say out of a wisdom that cannot be denied. He goes on to talk about how this will eventually see the fall of Jerusalem. And the people who follow Jesus will be persecuted. They'll be brought before authorities. They'll be brought before the synagogues. And then he goes into this next passage. We find in chapter, chapter 21, verse 25, when Jesus continues to teach. 
that there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth the distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told him a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus launches into this apocalyptic dialogue and teaching, and, and it has all these teachings about the eschaton, the end of, end of human history, the end of history. And he begins to talk about all this language about the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and this cosmic unrest, this cosmic disruption. The, sky, the skies are exploding. The world is in a complete unrest. And he says, don't. Don't be worried about these things, but take notice. Be awake to them. When it looks like everything is falling apart and the cosmos is exploding, know that the end is near. Know that your redemption is closed. The kingdom of God is upon you. There are signs. doesn't tell us when they will come. doesn't tell us what to when to expect these things. It's not for us to look for when. It's for us to be ready at all times. It's for us to be waiting patiently and prayerfully and faithfully to be about the kingdom of God. So that when this day does come and we see this uproar and this cosmological upset, and it feels like the world, the world is coming to a crashing end. That we have a God who does not forget. We have a God who remembers the divine promises. We have a God who saves and redeems us. We have a God who is there with us, giving us what we require for each day. Even when the world seems to be exploding and falling apart. We're here to be interpreters. We're here to be proclaimers of the good news. That no matter what happens in our future. No matter how faulty our memory may be. How broken our stories are. God's memory is intact. Seamless. God's love and grace 
are steadfast and unceasing. And as unexpected as our end may come, remember this. The beginning of the Christ as king began as a child in a manger. As unexpected as the ending may be, it's probably as expected as a king being born in a manger. But we know, we know with all certainty that our hope rests on the God who does not forget. Our hope rests on the God who does not stop loving us and does not stop offering grace to us and looks for our relationship and response to his first acts of creation, of love, of light. So that's what we celebrate beginning today. The hope that we find in God. That God is with us. No matter what. No matter when. No matter where. God is with us and will never forget us or forsake us. And for that, we light the candle. And for that, we prepare ourselves, our homes, our houses of worship, our very beings for the coming of the Christ child, for coming of the Christ the King. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.